Good evening, church. Good evening. It's great to see you all. It's great to see you all here punctually and on time. It's fantastic to see. Um, if you're outside and you're starting to make your way in, feel free to make your way in. We're going to get started in a second. Uh, and this evening, oftentimes we have a little bit of a theme to the worship set. And today's is very simple. It's all about glorifying God. It's all about worshiping Him. It's all about giving Him praise for His majesty and all that He is, exalting Him and exalting Jesus. And to start from with that, I want to read a passage from Romans chapter 11. And Pastor Chin preached from this last week. And it says this, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been His counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay them? For from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. So we're going to worship our God. Would you stand and sing with us? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I worship your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies Let me be singing when the evening comes. So bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never
when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come, still my soul will sing your praise unending. Ten thousand years and then forever. Till that stone was moved for good 
for the Lamb and conquered death. And the dead rose from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who'd come to the Father are restored. And the church of Christ was born, then the Spirit lit the flame. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel, shall not fade. By His blood and in His name, in His freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Sing praise the Father. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. Three in one. God of glory. Majesty. Praise forever to the King of kings and grace. continue worshiping our God. We're going to continue exalting our God. Um, and my thing went to sleep, so I need to turn it back on. Sorry, give me a second. Um, we're going to keep giving glory to Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we're going to continue that through this time of communion. And in this time of communion, we often focus on Jesus' death itself. And that's right, that's proper to do. Communion is about focusing on Jesus' death. But today, I wanna look at it and I wanna focus on something that comes a little bit after, which is Jesus' glorification. I wanna read from Philippians chapter two, verses five to 11. This should hopefully be a familiar passage to us, but if it isn't, take some time to read it, perhaps even memorize it. It's a powerful piece of scripture. And it says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So we're talking about Jesus here. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we celebrate this in the time of communion. We celebrate and we remember Jesus, God incarnate, humbled down to earth, humbled himself to a death on a cross. But what comes next? Therefore, 
Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. This is the result. This is what comes after we celebrate in communion. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So as we take of the bread and the cup this evening, and I'll ask the helpers to come forward, please come forward and get ready to um, present the elements. As we take the bread and the cup this evening, yes, reflect on Jesus' death. Reflect on what he has done. Confess your sin before a holy God. But also, be in awe of Jesus' glory. Remember that because he humbled himself to a cross, because he humbled himself to death, he is the King of kings. We just sang that. He is the Lord of lords. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he is worthy of all power, wealth, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and praise. He's worthy of that. And so we rightfully worship him and we glorify him. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, that Jesus is to be glorified. He's magnified because of his death, because of what he has done on the cross. And so may we stand in awe of you and worship you and glorify you in all the ways that you deserve. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll ask for the first five or so rows to please stand up and come forward. There's a diagram behind probably. I lied, there is no diagram behind of uh, how we come in. But please come forward and take the elements. This is intended as a time. Oh, there's a diagram. This is intended as a time for those uh, who believe in Jesus and call him your Lord. So if that's you, please come forward and take. So we take the bread this evening. Let's remember Jesus who died and Jesus who was glorified. He is worthy of all praise and honor. Let's drink together. We're going to keep singing and worshiping our God, glorifying Him for all that He is. Would you stand and sing with us?
died and rose for our sins, we can live today in confidence. We can glorify Jesus and call Him our Lord and our God. So thank you in all this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you take a seat, turn to someone around you, give them a smile, give them a wave, say hello. Well, good evening, everyone. Good to be with you. My name is Chin. I'm one of the pastors at Subi Church. And one of the things that we do as a church here at Subi is that we memorize scripture together. And every month we have a new passage that we want to memorize. And as hopefully you've noticed, we are in the month of August. And so we have a new passage to memorize. So on your seat, there should be a card that looks something like this. So let's pick that up. And then let's say that quick, that verse together. And then we, I'll talk a little bit more about that verse from Romans chapter 11. It is a little bit tricky this month. Not as simple as some of the months that we have, but it is a great verse. A verse that we looked at last week, and a verse that hopefully in, for the month of August we will memorize as a church together. So let's read that together. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depths of the knowledge, of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out. I need some reading comprehension there. Um, so one of the things that we covered from last week, hopefully you remember, is that this passage comes within the context of God's plan for the Jews and Gentiles and His redemptive history. And from a humanly perspective, we have no idea that what God is doing, but yet in His wisdom, in His majesty, He has planned all this out. Especially if we read through the Old Testament, it's like, what is going on, God? But God has a plan. God is wise. And so this 
verse talks about the wisdom of God, how wise God is. And there may be times in our lives where we have no idea what God is doing, where we have no idea what we're going through, why we're going through what we're going through. But yet we can be assured that God is wise, He is in control. His judgment, sometimes we cannot see. His past, His plan, we can't understand. But yet He is wise. He is doing something for His glory, for our good. And so this verse then really focuses on the wisdom of God. And that's what we want to memorize and remember, the glory of God, the attributes of God this month. So let's do that together once more. Romans chapter 11, verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable His judgments and His past beyond tracing out. Fantastic. So, memorize that together. Do it together. I know this month is a little bit tricky, so let's do that together and encourage one another. And this is the time of the service where I would invite the primary school age children. You, can, you are free to go to your Subi Kids classes upstairs. If you're here for the very first time, you can register them uh, in the reception area and then come and join us after that. All right, it's been good to worship with you this evening. Glad you're here. There's a good, there's a good number of people here on this beautiful sunny... You know, two things keep people away from church, sunshine and rain. And the sunshine didn't keep you away, so we're glad you're here with us this evening. And uh, I want to welcome you to Subi Church. My name is Peter. I'm one of the elders and pastors here, and um, it's just a joy to be worshipping together. We have um, our Connect cards. We still have the physical ones. There's also the QR code on the seat in front of you. If you want to use that, please register that you're here with us. And any prayer points, any questions you might have, we'd love you to do that on the Connect card. If you're new, we'd love to um, know that you're with us, and um, we'd like to connect with you after the service as well. So please come at, allow one of the people around you to speak to you, and uh, certainly we'd love to speak to you in the lobby on the way out and just answer your questions about Subi Church. We now come to the time of offering, and I brought my Bible up because I want to read a verse from First Chronicles, and it's David as he is preparing to leave this world he's going to hand over the kingdom to Solomon and he's collecting the the offering for the temple and he says this verse in chapter 29 verse 14 he says he's talking to the Lord in his prayer but who am I and what is my people that we should be able to thus to offer willingly for all things come from you and of your own we uh, sorry, of your own have we given you. Everything comes from the Lord, and what we're giving back to him is already his. And David is acknowledging that as the Israelites gave generously. And I th I'm thankful to God that Subi Church gives generously for the work of the gospel going forth in this place and beyond. So let's just pray for the offering. Before I do, there's the physical offering on the left on the way out, and there's also information there for electronic, if that's what you want to do. So let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that we get to worship you in this way. And we thank you that we could worship you in song. We worship in the reading of your word that's coming and, Lord, the preaching of your word. It's all part of our worship and part of our um, coming under your authority and hearing from you and giving back to you what's already yours. Father, we thank you that all things come from you and you provide for us generously and may we also be generous givers. 
that the things that you've given us we might use for the glorification of your name as your kingdom goes out, as it expands. Lord, as the gospels preach and people come to know you. And it's in Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. All right, a couple of uh, events I want to speak about and make sure that you know about. The hour of prayer is coming up this week. Um, actually, it's um, next week. It's the 16th of August, and it's um, on a Wednesday again from 7 to 8. So put that in your calendar. Come and pray with us. There's lots of things to be praying for. Um, the church is still in a period of transition. We need to be praying for that. We need to be praying for our community. We need to be praying for our people. And um, we'd love you to come and pray with us during that time on the 16th. Also, at the end of that week on the um, Saturday, the 19th, we have the men's breakfast. Starting at 8am on a Saturday, it's a hot breakfast here at the church. I want, I'm going to just read this little um, paragraph we have here just to give you an idea of what it's about. So understanding what it means to be a male has never been more confusing. Men are called out for being patriarchal and toxic, but we are hard-pressed to find anyone presenting a definition of healthy masculinity. We call all men of Subi Church to a men's breakfast with Al Stewart. And he's the author of the book, The Manual. He'll be speaking on getting masculinity right. Al Stewart is a great speaker for men. He just loves men's ministry, been doing it for a long time. And he'll be in Perth, and he's going to be here on the Saturday morning to speak to us. There'll be a couple of sessions that'll so go from 8 o'clock through to about 11 it's $10 a head. Please put your name on the Connect card. Let us know you're coming because we want to make sure we cater for you and that no one misses out on the hot breakfast. Please put your name on the Connect card. And by the way, the men did really well of that, the last men's um, event that we had. I think we got a pretty much the same number as what put on their name on the Connect card. It was different, it was different blokes, but you know, it's the same number. So I'm not sure how that worked out, but congratulations, guys. All right, community coffee morning is coming up at the end of um, this week on Saturday. It's from 10 to 12 noon here in the church. It's a great outreach to the community as people are going to the um, farmer's markets across the road. So come along and be part of that and speak to some people and um, you'll be blessed as much as being a blessing. Now we have a wonderful announcement. We have a new addition to our church. Paul and Irene Mulligan. Now, Irene is the um, kids' ministry director. They welcome their baby daughter, Micah. She arrived on the 27th of July. And her big sister, Hannah, kept it a secret, whether it was a boy or a girl, right up until the day. So we congratulate Hannah. Please keep Paul and Irene in your prayers as they adjust to a family of four. And we rejoice with them. All right, before we come to hear the, the word of God um, read to us and then to hear Pastor Chin preach from Romans 12, let's just come to the Lord in prayer. Would you, would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, it's from you, through you, and for you that all things are. To you, Lord, be the glory forever. We thank you, Father, for the book of Romans Thank you for our series in Romans and for the faithful preaching from Pastor David and Pastor Chin. We've seen close up about your mercies that you've lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that our lives would not become so busy that we lose sight of your mercies and your grace. 
And would you God, Chin, as he continues, Father, would you lead him by your spirit as he speaks from Romans again this evening? We thank you, Lord, for giving us access to your throne room in prayer. Thank you for those among us who pray faithfully and diligently as part of our prayer team. Lord, would you hear the prayers that are offered in this place and for the people in this place and in this city? And would you draw each one of us into a deeper practice of prayer? Forgive us, Lord, when, we're, when we slip on that, when we're not faithful in prayer. Lord, we want to pray for the huge percentage, 98 or so percent of Australians who are far from you. And we pray, Lord, for the outreach ministries um, that, that go out from this church to share the good news of the gospel, of life that can be found in Jesus Christ. We pray for Sharani and the team as they um, witness at Cafe Melody, for Jenny and the team as they help people with their English, Lord, as a second language, but share the gospel through that. For Sharani and the team at Coffee Community Morning, we'll have in a couple of Saturdays, we pray for a real rich blessing there. For B and her team, Father, as they um, share the gospel through crafts at Art Seeds. We thank you for Grant and his team, Lord, at Wandana Flats as they just witness among the people at Wandana. And we pray for fruit from that ministry also. Father, would you open the eyes of people, their need for you, Lord, that they would realize that they were created to worship you. And the only way to get right with you through Jesus Christ. And Lord, would you help each one of us to live lives that are worthy of the gospel. Strengthen us, Lord, to put off the old self corrupted by deceitful desires. And to put on the new self created to be like you in true righteousness and holiness. May each one of us offer our bodies each day as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you, God. And now by your spirit, may your word transform us to be more like Christ. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And I invite Esther to come and read the word of God to us. Good evening, everyone. So this week's Bible reading is taken from Psalm chapter 116, verses 1 to 19. Verse 1. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm, I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. 
I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I, am, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Thank you, Esther. Well, good evening again, everybody. Great to be with you once again. Um, last week, we had the fellowship meal after each service, and I hope and pray that it was a wonderful time for you. You know, you get to talk to people, make new friends. Let me encourage you that you can do that this week as well. You don't need a fellowship meal just to make friends. So let me encourage you, you know, every week to make new friends, cultivate uh, and meet new people because we want to be a church that's hospitable, that, a church that welcomes uh, you know, new people in our midst. This is how God has welcomed us in His midst. So let me encourage you, each week, look out for somebody new, go and say hi to them, make new friends with them. And one more thing I want to um, announce and mention before we get into the sermon is something special is happening next month. There is a significant milestone in the life of Subi Church next month. Subi Church turns 125 next month. All right? So what we will be doing is that we are celebrating the 125th anniversary of Subi Church, being in this corner of Subiaco, absolutely amazing, and it is a statement of God's faithfulness to us here at Subi. So we have a special weekend planned on, the, on, the September, on September 16th and 17th weekend, for that weekend. So what I want you to do is save that date, save that weekend. Make sure that there's nothing on your calendar. Make sure you can be here at church. Because one of the things that we want to do is acknowledge and celebrate God's faithfulness to us. So save that date. We have something special. We will let you know more once we nail down the finer details of that weekend. So that's only six weeks away. But I want to give you time so that you can plan for that 16th and 17th of September. As we uh, look at Romans once again, let me say a quick prayer. And then we will jump straight into Romans chapter 12. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you that we can gather once again as your people. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts here be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me uh, paint a scenario for you. Maybe this feels familiar to you. We'll, we'll see. So imagine or you have a group of people where they would gather each week at the same location. And this group of people, what they will do is that they will be singing praises together as a group, right? completely devoted to the same cause as one another. In fact, sometimes they will come up with new songs that they can sing together. Sometimes they will even go out after that event for a meal together, you know, after their meeting each week. And this is something that they would have been doing for many, many years in their life. And if they have children, they would try their best to involve their children, right? Come along, be part of that meeting, because they want their children to be just as devoted as they are to that same cause. Can you tell what I'm talking about here? Maybe many of you can guess, I have the right idea. I'm talking about footy fans, 
or sports fans in general, sports fans in general. Right from the way I describe it, you know, it sounds just a tad bit like worship, isn't it? Right, lifelong devotion to a team where you, or you, you'll be spending money or time and effort together, together with other people, like-minded people. And then every week you will sit together, watch the game together, cheering for your team together, singing songs together. Their lives are revolved around the team, isn't it? And whenever their team is playing, nothing else matters. Now, before you get me wrong, I'm not saying don't support any team. Very happy for you to support any team. But the, a large part of our culture, about our society, takes it to such a fervor that really begins to resemble worship, isn't it? That's what worship looks like in some sections of our society, of our culture. Other parts of our culture, other parts of our society, they worship money, they worship status or pleasure. And then hopefully you've seen other religions, how they worship. They worship their gods in vastly different ways. But how do we worship the God of the Bible? I mean, how does worship look like for Christians? How should we worship this God who really made the entire universe? And as we've seen throughout Romans, He sent His Son to reconcile us back to Him. Well, most of us sort of know and sort of have the idea that, you know, our worship is more than just us singing together every weekend like this. How about the rest of the week? What do we do then? What does worship look like for us? As we go through you know, the book of Romans throughout this year, we come now to Romans chapter 12. Right? For the first 11 chapters, Paul has been laying out glorious gospel truths for the past 11 chapters. He's talked about how we are all sinful, how we all deserve God's judgment, but in God's mercy, God's grace, He sent Jesus as a propitiation for our sins, that those who have faith in Him, we are now justified by faith alone in Christ alone. And then from chapter 5 onwards, He talks about all the wonderful blessings of justification, of being saved, that we have peace with God, and now we be no longer belong to the realm of sin and death, we belong to the realm of grace and truth, where Jesus reigns. And so after declaring all of these great and glorious truths, we come, we come to Romans chapter 12. He turns his attention to how we should live our Christian life after that. So last week we covered a lot of verses in through Romans chapter 11. This week we are covering only two verses, so you know, much easier. We're looking at Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I will read from Romans 11 onwards, from 11.33 onwards to Romans 12, verse 2. But the focus of the sermon, we will, look, we will look at the first two verses. So let me invite you to stand as I read from God's Word. From Romans 11.33 to 12, verse 2. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable His judgments and His paths beyond tracing out! Who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been His counsellor? Who has given, ever given to God that God should repay them? For from Him and through Him and for Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. 
Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. You may be seated. So these two verses are like, of chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, they are like the title heading for the rest of the book of Romans because this is where he shifts gears. He, that's a pivot in the book of Romans. So we will look at what Paul focuses in these two verses. Point number one we have is that our worship is always in view of God's mercy. Our worship is always in view of God's mercies. Right, so for the past 11 chapters, if you haven't already noticed, Paul's main emphasis as he writes this letter is declaring God's, what God has done for us in and through the gospel. Right, it's mainly doctrinal, mainly theological. There's hardly any commands there, if you notice that. Because he's mainly talking about what God has done for us by the power of the Spirit. But from chapter 12 onwards, the commands come hard and fast. But these biblical commands, as you notice, is always based on and motivated by our gratitude towards God in the gospel. Right, let me read verse 1 again. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, notice this, in view of God's mercies, things that he has been talking about for the 11, first 11 chapters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. He urges his readers in view of God's mercy, in light of God's mercy. Our worship of God must always be in view of God's mercies, in light of God's mercies. Right? God has saved us, undeserving sinners from His wrath, justified us through faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. Now we live by the mercies of God with the Holy Spirit within us. These are great and glorious truths. And these truths lead to our worship. Our obedience to God and our worship of God must always be motivated and inspired by the gospel. And this is a very usual pattern in all of Paul's letters in the New Testament. Right? He doesn't immediately start his letter and calls his readers to be obedient to God. He usually starts by emphasizing and talks about the gospel message, about what God has done for us. And it is only because of those great theological truths that then we are called to obey God. We are saved, therefore we obey. It's not the other way around. We don't obey to be saved, we obey because we are saved. And it is very important that we remember this emphasis, remember this um, truth. Because there are some Christian traditions and Christian um, backgrounds, so to speak, where the constant emphasis, the thing that they focus on all the time, is the call for us to be obedient to God. Always about what have you done for God. Have you preached the gospel to your friend? Have you read your Bibles lately? You need to make sure you pray every day. You need to make time for Bible studies, attend classes that the church runs. You need to make sure that you lead your family in daily prayer. Make sure that you love your wife or love your husband. Make sure that you are kind and be good in your parenting to your children. Make sure that you take these steps to make sure that your marriage is great. Don't let these things happen. Make sure that you kill sin in your life. On and on and on. Now, those are not bad things. 
Don't get me wrong, those are absolutely fantastic things, positively good, very important things. What I, what I am saying is that the emphasis is not right. Because if that is all you're hearing and all you're thinking about, that you need to obey this command, obey that command of God, and you hear this all the time, week after week, year after year, as you come to church, what do you think you, that would do for your soul? If that is all we emphasize, it leads to legalism. It leads to burdening the souls of believers. See, I, I know and I am aware for many of us here at Subi Church, life is not easy. It's a constant struggle. I read the Connect cards every week. It could be a struggle in the workplace, struggle with family or relationships, with health. Life is not easy for many of us. And the last thing that you need every week as you come to church is for someone in front of you is to beat you down with more things that you should be doing for God. What we need as Christians, as always, is the gospel. That's what Paul does all the time. He gives them the gospel first and foremost about what God has done for us in Christ. He lays out God's mercies for us in the first 11 chapters of Romans. It is only then in chapter 12 that he talks about what we should do in light of that. Right? He doesn't stop there. He does talk about the mercies of God, but then he does call us to obey God. And here in Romans 12, he says, to offer our bodies as a sacrifice to God. Now, our worship, we still need to worship God, is always in view of God's mercies. And now that he has told us about God's mercies, he fleshes out what that means. To offer our bodies as a sacrifice to God. To live in light of a body of Christ who loves God, who has faith in Christ. What does that mean? What does that look like? Now, God's mercy always leads to our worship. And our worship involves our entire self, our whole self. It's not just with our mouths, it's with our whole self. And this is a pattern that we see in the Old Testament as well. So in you know, Psalm 116 that was read to you in the Bible reading, you notice the psalmist calls out to Yahweh. Yahweh responds, saves the psalmist, and the psalmist responds back with worship and offering his or her body as a living sacrifice to God. And what Paul means by our bodies here is means the whole of ourselves, right? We offer our bodies as a sacrifice to God. Sacrifices that are living, holy, pleasing to God. Three descriptions of the kind of sacrifice that's supposed to be for God. A sacrifice that's living, right? He's talking about the spiritual state of those who, are, who have faith in Christ. He talked about this in Romans chapter 6, that if we die with Christ, we will also live with Him. A sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God, those are language that's taken from temple sacrifices in the Old Testament, set apart for God and for nothing else. And a sacrifice that's pleasing to God because it is offered in faith through Christ. And that means that our worship to God involves the whole of our lives, the whole of who we are. It's not something that we do merely that we do every single weekend or when we gather here at church. It involves every part of who we are. That's our true and proper worship. 
And that's the only proper and reasonable response to this God who has brought us from death to life, who has shown us mercies even though we don't deserve it. And after all, we belong to Christ. He owns us in some sense. We are bought with the price of the blood of Christ. We now belong to Him. And the only true and proper worship for all that He has done for us is to offer our bodies as a sacrifice to God, always in view of God's mercies. Now, of course, there's a question to be asked as well. What does that look like in our daily lives? It's one thing to say that you know, our worship involves our entire lives, but what does that look like in our jobs? And what does that look like as a student at university, or as a parent, or a banker, or a janitor, or a cleaner? He talks about that in the next verse, which we will look at in our second point. Point number two, our worship begins with the renewal of our minds. Our worship begins with the renewal of our minds. So look at verse two. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One of the things about our worship of this God of the Bible First and foremost, that we don't conform our lives, don't conform our thinking to the pattern of this world. And you have to remember what Paul means by this world, right? Remember what he says in Romans chapter 1. This is a world where even though human beings are able to know who God is, they are able to know the invisible qualities of God, His eternal power, His divine nature. This is a world where human beings suppress the truth about God through their wickedness. That's the kind of world we live in. And so Paul says, don't conform to that kind of world. Don't conform to the pattern of that kind of world. Don't follow the way of life, the way of thinking of these people who suppress the truth about God. Instead, what we need to do in our worship of God is to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to change the way we think. Right? In Romans 8, he talks about our minds governed by the flesh is hostile to God, cannot submit to God. But because of the work of Christ, because of the work of the Spirit, as we trust in Christ, we're now in the realm of the Spirit. Now our minds, our minds are renewed. We are transformed. We can know God. We can know His truth in our world. To see the world as God sees it. Right? It begins with the renewal of our minds. That's one of the first things we need to know about our worship of God. The way we think, the way we look at our world, should be transformed by the mercies of God. We look at the world through the lens of the gospel, through the lens of the God who made our world. And we have to notice that the way we view everything in life is different from the rest of the world. And that is one of the reasons why there's so much animosity from the world against us, particularly, as you know, on some hot-button issues, because the mindset and the hour of thinking is completely different from theirs. Right? The way we think about the purpose of marriage, of sex, of life, what it means to be human, what it means to be a man, our self-worth, we are all starting from very different foundations compared to those who do not have faith in Christ. Let me read you a quote from Tim Keller. This is what he says from his book, Every Good Endeavor. He says, Becoming a Christian is a lot like moving to a new country, only it is more profound because it gives us a new perspective on every culture, every worldview, every field of work. In the long run, the gospel helps us to see everything in new light. 
but it takes time to grasp and incorporate this new information into how we live and pursue our vocations. And we can be sure that this ultimate learning experience will never truly end. We are told the angels themselves never tire looking into the gospel to see new wonders. And for many of us here, do you understand the reference about moving to a new country? It can be daunting, can be strange at the start, but how different the entire country is from the one that you moved from. And in some sense, that's what it's like as a Christian in our world. It transforms our minds, renews our minds, and that's where our worship starts. It begins with us seeing the world as God sees it. And that applies to so many different areas of our lives. And I'll focus on one, one area that I don't think we talk about enough and how we can change the way we look at the world. So one thing that Tim Keller mentions in that quote is how we live and pursue our vocations as Christians. That is a word that we don't use very often these days. What does it mean to be a Christian in the workplace? What is the place of my faith in my work? Well, oftentimes we hear about the call for Christians to preach the gospel, to evangelize. That should be the mission of our lives, to make disciples of all nations. That is our call. That's what we hear all the time, isn't it? Well, yes, that's true. We have to do all of those things. But let's be realistic. We can't do evangelism 24-7 all day, every day. Most of our time, we spend most of our waking hours at work. Some of us, we are teachers, accountants, students, pharmacists, doctors, dentists, janitors or cleaners, electricians, physios, bankers, managers, directors. In these workplaces, we can't be evangelizing all the time. But how does our faith interact then at that point in our workplace? Well, let me read from Jeremiah 29. Let me give you a quick one from the Old Testament, Jeremiah 29. This is written by Jeremiah, a message from Yahweh to his people who are in exile in the land of Babylon. So they are in a land that do not belong, does not belong to them. In some sense, it is very similar to us. We don't belong to this world, we belong to the world to come. But this is what Yahweh says to his people. Listen to this. Verse 4. This is what Yahweh Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all I carry into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number, th increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord. Pray to Yahweh for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Notice what he calls them to do. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city that you are at. In other words, the way that God blesses the people of the world is through us as God's people. God works through His people to bless this world. We are God's agent of blessing in this world. And God uses our skills to bless others. Right? Every job that we have, each job that we have, is an opportunity for us to be a blessing to others. If you are an accountant, 
You spend most of your time staring to the screen, probably looking at charts and Excel sh sheets. And then you're wondering, what, what, am I, what am I doing here? You know what you're doing? You're blessing the clients that you're serving by doing the best job you can be, most honest job you can be for your clients. If you are a cleaner, you bring, you bring blessing to this world by providing a clean and tidy and hygienic place for people to use. Somebody's got to do all of that. If you are a teacher, God has placed these students in your lives in which you can make a difference by teaching them how this world works, how God's world works. Or as it is increasingly the case today, by providing a refuge for these students because of what's happening at home. You are a blessing to these students. What you do in your job matters. It's not just a job. What you do in your job is God's way of blessing this world. As long as it's not sinful, of course. If you are the owner of a company that provides services to others, be the best owner you can be in treating your employees right. right? These employees are not mere cogs in your company for you to exploit. Right? These are people made in the image of God who have lives, who have family, outside of family. So as a Christian owner, what do you do? You treat them well, treat them with dignity, and help them to provide the best service your company can provide for your customers. Bring joy to the people that you serve through your company. I once heard a quote about what it means to be a leader in the workplace. Right? Leadership is not about being in charge. Leadership is about taking care of those in your charge. It's a completely different way of thinking compared to the world, what it means to be a leader in our world. Right? That's just one example. As our minds are renewed and transformed to think God's thoughts after Him, we see the world differently now because we are Christians. Our work is not just a job. To use an English word to describe it, it is our vocation. Right? We understand, a vocation means we understand this is how God has made us. We have particular skills that we are good at this job, with this role. We will worship God through that vocation, through that job, the best we can in this job. So being a Christian in a workplace doesn't just mean that you, you know, sneakily bring in a mug with a Bible verse there. Or that, you know, we become that annoying person that patronizes everyone by your moral elitism. No, no, no. It's understanding our role and our place as God's agent of blessing in your workplace. And you'll be surprised as you do that, and as you do that well, as you build relationships, as forge strong relationships with your colleagues or with your bosses, with your employees, they start asking questions of your faith. Now, I'm not saying hide your Christian faith. By all means, tell the gospel to them when the, when the opportunity arises. But you want to do that in the context of a strong relationship you've built with your colleagues or your bosses or employees. And they start getting interested to know what the Christian faith says about a particular issue. You see, I think one of the reasons, part of the issue why there's so much polarization in our world today is that we have not been building relationships with people and what we have been doing is that we're just shouting at people from the sidelines. 
telling them what they should be doing and should not be doing. And when they hear about how we think about this issue or that issue, they hear in a context that's devoid of personal relationships. And when that happens, is that they interpret it in the worst possible way. But when you have that personal relationship that you've built up with these people, and they know that you love and care for them, they may disagree with you, they may even start disliking you, but one thing they cannot say is that you don't love them because you have that relationship with them. So that's just one area that our minds can be changed, our thinking can be changed. The way we view our jobs, the way we view our vocations, it starts with the renewal of our mind. Our worship of God includes what we do in our jobs. Do it well to the best of your ability to bless the people that you're serving. And the way we look at the world is transformed by the mercies and the gospel of God. Right? That's where our worship of God begins, the renewal of our minds, changing the way we look at the world. We see the world through the lens of the gospel. Let's come to the last point. Point number three. Our worship displays the goodness of God's will. Our worship displays the goodness of God's will. Look at verse, the end of verse 2. He says this. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When Paul says test and approve God's will, what he's meaning here is he's not talking about like testing, like an exam testing. He's using the phrase test and approve like how a child would test and approve what the parent would say through lived experience. Right, so as we are transformed in the renewal of our minds, as we see the world and worship the world, uh, worship the world, worship God through um, the way we change, uh, the way we look at the world, then as we live through life, we are able to acknowledge the goodness of what God wills for us. We are able to understand, experience, demonstrate the goodness of God's will in our lives by obeying His word, by trusting in the gospel. And we will see that His will for us is good, is pleasing, and that it is perfect. Now, Paul will continue to elaborate what that means for the rest of Romans, so we will see more of that next week. But notice, with all of these things, this is a life of worship. Worship is our entire life, not just one part of our life. It is a life of of worship. It's not something that we do on the weekend limited to 90 minutes here at church. Right? Don't get me wrong though. Again, our corporate gathering is central to our Christian faith. Why? Because when we come together as God's people and we gather, we sing praises to Him, what's the most important thing? We come and we have the mercies of God. We have the gospel of God proclaimed to us once more, again and again, week after week. Because remember, our Worship begins, starts with, is in light of God's mercy. But as we hear about the gospel, what happens is that then we offer our bodies as living sacrifices to God. That's the only proper response to God's amazing grace. And that worship starts with the renewing of our minds. We look at the world, we look at our lives through the lens of the gospel. It is a life of worship. It's a life that's not necessarily spectacular, doesn't have to be filled with grand gestures, because a life of worship is a life of daily obedience to God 
offering all of ourselves to God with a renewed mind in view of God's mercies. And of course, there's no greater example than Jesus himself. You see, we read the life of Jesus, we read the gospel accounts, and we see these great miracles and great ministries that he has done, he performs in his ministry. They're fantastic, great things that he's doing. But you know, we often forget something. We often forget that Jesus went through 30 ordinary years of his life before he started his ministry. What do you think he was doing before that? Well, he had to grow up as a teenager under his parents. He worked as a carpenter. What did you think he was doing? He was living a life of worship to God, of daily obedience to God. He grows up obeying his parents, grows up going to the temple to learn about God. And as he worked as a carpenter, I'm sure he was a blessing to the community and the best carpenter he can be to the people that you're serving. And when the time came for him to begin his ministry, he did great and spectacular things for God. Absolutely. But that only comes after a life of worship, of obedience. And then as he does his ministry, his ministry culminated in his death and resurrection. He led a life of worship and he literally offered his body as a sacrifice to God. That was God's will for him. God's good and pleasing and perfect will. And you know what? We are the recipients of the blessing of the mercies of God that flowed out of Jesus' worship. His life of worship led to our blessing. So maybe you are here, you are a student, you know, you're agonizing over your assessment or you're cramming for exams. Maybe you're here, you live in a retirement home, or maybe you are a high-powered CEO of a company. Maybe you are struggling with health issues or struggling with grief in your life. And you feel like, Lord, what's going on? Whatever it is that you're going through, what you've been doing, it is not nothing. Because with eyes of faith, with a renewed mind, the most mundane tasks in our lives are achieving a weight of glory when we are doing it in faith. Because we have a God who sees us. And so when we live a life of worship in view of God's amazing mercies towards us, as we offer ourselves, all of ourselves to God, we know that He is worth it. That's only the proper response we can give to God. And as we do that, we see that God's will is good for us. And we look to Christ as our example. Let me pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you for the book of Romans to give us the opportunity and that wonderful, glorious truth that you have told us in and through Paul that even though we are sinners, sinners deserving only your wrath and judgment, that you have saved us. You have given us your righteousness through faith in Christ. And through that justification, we have so much blessing, peace.
peace with you. We can approach your throne of glory. We can pray to you. We can call you our loving Heavenly Father. And in view of all these mercies you have poured upon us, we offer our bodies as a sacrifice to you, all of our lives, a life of worship. Because that is the least that you deserve. You deserve so much more than this. And so, Father, we ask and pray that by your Spirit, you help us to live a life of worship, a life worthy of the gospel. And in the days that are hard, in days that we are struggling through, Lord, we ask that you bring to our mind once again the gospel message that you are there with and for us. And as a people, Father, this evening, help us to live a life of worship, to bless the people of this world, but more importantly, to tell the people of this world about Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In His name we pray. Amen. Our final song takes some lyrics from an old kid's song. It says, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. Let's, as a congregation, offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Would you stand and sing with us?
decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Across the people of God, we live a life of worship, but in view of God's mercies, let us be a people who always have the gospel taking root in our hearts, remembering what He has done for us in Christ. If you're here this evening, you do need prayer, please feel free to come to the front. Uh, there'll be people more than happy to pray with and for you. Let me finish with a benediction. Let's pray with me. May the Father who has reconciled us back to Him through the sacrifice of His Son, May He help us to live a life of worship in view of His mercies by the power of the Spirit. To Him be the glory.